on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. This is Good Morning BT with Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman. All right, off and running. Mick Mulvaney, Monday. Bo and Beth here in the Tyboid studio. After a few weeks where he was uh, traveling the country, doing various things that Mick Mulvaney does, now he's back where he belongs in the... Right across from us, former White House Chief of Staff, former South Carolina Congressman, former White House Budget Director, and watcher of many things political. See, Bernie gets the music. He, he understands that this is sort of, it's got that crescendo, it builds up. He doesn't, it's nice yeah. to get that whole sort of intro in there. Ask Bernie who, who hit the button to play the music. Was it you again yeah. today? Uh, yeah. I can always, I can never tell. Both. I can never it's tell. <laughs> no. Ber- Bernie's awesome, and you're right about all that, except it just so happens today that I was playing your music. You got so. it. If well, it's good. done correctly, then it's usually both. No, no, that's not true. It's a team effort. Good uh, morning, it, Beth. It, How are you? It takes, a, it takes a village to make Mick Mulvaney happy, right? Yeah. Uh, we're thrilled to have you back. I know that you've been traveling a ton, and we're glad that you took some time to travel to us. I am, I'm enjoying my curmudgeon stage. I, I really am. I curmudgeon roll. I like yeah. this. That's why I like when you come in, because I like to try to get you out of the curmudgeon. Yeah. I work really hard to uncurmudgeon. Let's talk about the deficit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's talk about South Carolina Hey, on yeah. Saturday night. Uh, this was South Carolina. This was a little sooner than we anticipated. It was an even bigger win than we anticipated. And I was just informed that we got double the number of votes that has ever been received in the great state of South Carolina. So that's pretty good. So it's a record times two. And it's an early evening and a fantastic. You can all go down and you can celebrate for about 15 minutes and we have to get back to work because the big date, the big date, you know, Michigan's coming up. We're doing great. The auto workers are going to be with us 100% because they got sold out by this country. But Michigan's up, and uh, we're going to have a tremendous success there. And then we have a thing called Super Tuesday, and uh, I think we're leading 91 to 7 overall. So here's the thing. Uh, that I just can't a- do that anymore without, if I, you know, because I don't listen to him anymore. I, I watch him, right? I don't right. listen to him on the radio like we're doing here. Mm-hmm. And when I can't see his face, all I can see is the guy from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> so, I mean, that's how good that guy's impersonation is. But go ahead. I'm sorry I cut you well, off. Well, no, I was going to say that uh, in his speech there, that was a shortened version of it, he never once mentioned the name Nikki Haley. A couple things about the speech. Uh, first of all, um, he went on immediately at 7 o'clock. I think that was in response to going second to Nikki Haley in New Hampshire. He was not happy about that. Um, and I thought he was going to talk for an hour and a half. I really did. I was, I was waiting to go on News Nation at 7.04 because they never thought he'd come out that quickly. And they, they're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And I'm texting with the folks. I'm going, he may do this till 8.30 because the longer he stays up, the longer it kicks her off. So there was that dynamic. And then somebody asked me, I think it was Chris Cuomo. I said, you know, look, he, this was a reconciliatory speech. You know, he, he gave a really nasty speech in New Hampshire. I said, I think that's just he was angry at Nikki for sort of going on stage before him. Um, but the one thing that I picked up about the speech um, that hasn't gotten nearly enough attention is who was on stage. Um, and there was a guy there that nobody recognized. His name is Woody Johnson. Woody was the old guy standing over right uh, over Trump's right shoulder with the great-looking, much younger wife. Holy cow. But anyway, um, so Woody owns the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. 
And Woody was our ambassador to the United Kingdom in the first Trump term. Why is it significant that he's on the stage? I assume he's got a house in Charleston or Kiev or someplace like that. That's big money. That, 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 that represents the big money class, the big money, big money donor class. And that's who Trump has been missing for the last six months, is the folks who are writing the, the big fat checks to the pack have all been going originally to DeSantis and now to Nikki Haley. And the fact that Woody Johnson is willing to go on stage and be seen means that the money is starting to flow again. And that will be the final nail in the coffin for, for Nikki Haley, is that Trump, the one thing he hasn't been able to do is raise money on par with Joe Biden. If the likes of, of, of Mr. Johnson are there, that means this money's coming back. Well, and that comes on the heels of Charles Koch pulling away from Nikki Haley after she lost South Carolina with, I mean, she was close to 40 percent of the vote, but now doesn't have the confidence of the big money that you're just talking about that Trump seems to be getting. And, and not just the money with the Kochs. Kochs is money. Listen, money's money, and you'll take it. There's no question. Kochs was money plus. Because with the Koch, and it's K-O-C-H, not C-O-K-E, with the Koch uh, groups, they brought people. And that's huge. So you've got people to run social media uh, operations. You've got people to knock on doors. You've got people to organize communities. You've got the grassroots sort of infrastructure that every campaign absolutely loves and, and, and covets. And when she had that, that was a big deal. So losing that is almost as damaging to her as losing whatever money they might actually kick in in terms of dollars. Well, and he, the, the Koch brothers, um, before his brother passed away, I mean, they were the big power players in the Republican Party. And some would say that they were responsible for helping get George W. Bush elected in the early 2000s. And it feels like now that maybe they aren't or that, that Charles Koch doesn't have the same uh, the, the same, same influence. Yeah, yeah, the same influence that he had earlier. I in, think that's fair. I think the party is changing. There's no question. Both parties are changing. Both parties are getting more populist now and less sort of for lack of a better word, establishment. And certainly the Coke money tends towards the establishment. I guess it does now. I mean, Cokes were very helpful to me, and I was a Tea Party candidate. So, I mean, politics changed in Washington, D.C., and what used to be right wing is now sort of moderate. I mean, I would be considered probably a moderate in Washington, D.C. right now because I'm not crazy. Um, But I used to be in the far, far right wing back when we started the Freedom Caucus. All those things change. And certainly the the Cokes influence has changed. Are they still big players? Absolutely. Anytime, again, they have a lot of money. There's no no way to to, to beat around that bush. But they have actually taken the time to build the infrastructure that makes a difference. So they probably are more influential than some of the other groups like the Club for Growth that Mm -hmm. just give money. Mm -hmm. Mick Mulvaney with us on Monday here. You heard what Trump said on Saturday night. We sort of sized up where he is in the process. When we come back, we'll hear from Nikki Haley and get Mick's thoughts on uh, what her game plan is and maybe should be in the coming days. Mick Mulvaney, Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman. All systems go on the Monday after the South Carolina primary. And one week from tomorrow is Super Tuesday. Got Michigan tomorrow. Heating up now. Uh, this was Saturday night in Charleston. There are huge numbers of voters in our Republican primaries who are saying they want an alternative. I said earlier this week that no matter what happens in South Carolina, I would continue to run for president. I'm a woman of my word. I'm not giving up this fight when a majority of Americans disapprove of both Donald Trump and Joe Biden. 
South Carolina has spoken. We're the fourth state to do so. In the next 10 days, another 21 states and territories will speak. They have the right to a real choice. Not a Soviet-style election with only one candidate. Nikki Haley, uh, and, and the final tally on on Saturday or Saturday night, yeah, uh, is uh, fifty nine point eight for Trump and thirty nine point five for Nikki Haley. Yeah, a couple things about what Nikki said because I've heard that a couple times. What she says is true, right? She said there's a uh, a huge number of voters who wanted somebody else. True statement, right? I think she got almost 40%, 200,000 votes or something. That's a good number, right? Then she goes on to say, and a majority of Americans want something other than Donald Trump and Joe Joe Biden. That's also a true statement. But she's still losing, okay? It may be that she got a huge number, but that's not how we pick a nominee. Just because you get a huge number doesn't mean you're the nominee. You have to come in first. And just because a majority of Americans might want something other than Trump or Biden doesn't mean they want her, right? As, as evidenced by what we, we just saw. So I, I get all the talking points, and they're not factually inaccurate. It's just they don't – there's no correlation between that or causation between that and actually winning an election. It's like Donald Trump coming out and saying, well, in 2020, um, I got more votes than I did in 2016, and I'm the first president to do that ever or something like that, right? He's right. That is a factual statement. But that doesn't mean you win. The, the idea is to get more than the other person. And Nikki didn't get more than the other person. I've seen some, some numbers in, uh, in Michigan. These are older numbers. They're from January. What had her down by 60 points, mm. you know, 78 to 18 type of stuff in Michigan. I don't think it'll hold at that number because I think at that time there were still other people in the race. But, I mean, there's, there's no evidence that she's going to be moving the needle at all. She got no delegates as of last count, in South Carolina, because there's 50 delegates. I think it was like 29 of them go statewide. So Trump wins the first 29 um, automatically by winning the state. And then the other 21 are divided up into the seven congressional districts, three each. And I think Trump won at least six of the seven, and maybe, I think the last one they're still counting, but was leading in the seventh, which means it's a clean sweep. He gets all of the delegates from South Carolina, which is all this is about at this point. And Nikki's not not changing that by staying in the race. Does she have any hope for Super Tuesday? Are there any states on Super Tuesday that she wins? Because I feel like I feel like that is her her goal. Her eye is on the prize of Super Tuesday, and then maybe after that is when she then says, "I'm I'm done." I, I mean, I think about yeah. the comeback kids, you know that 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 somehow succeed on Super Tuesday. I mean, I think John McCain was that in 2008 that he was not ahead, but that was a whole different. A whole different ballgame because this is an incumbent president she's running against. Yeah, effectively, that's correct. And John McCain was never down by 20 in Iowa yeah. and 15 in yeah. New Hampshire. I mean, it was close. It was, they were close races and so forth, right? Or he'd won a state and lost a state. It was sort of a back and forth. You don't have that here. The answer to your question is I've not seen a single state where Nikki is within um, double, uh, single Striking digits. Uh, I just, I've just not seen that. If it happens, it could happen because a lot of these states, the rules are different in every state. You know, by the way, people made a big deal out of, oh, Democrats can vote in South Carolina. We don't register by party in South Carolina. Right? So there is, there is no such thing as a registered Democrat or registered Republican. I always used to laugh when people stop me and say, I'm a registered Republican. I'm like, no, you're not really. But anyway, um, so technically it's an open race, but typically only Republicans vote in their primary. I had a bunch of people come to me and say, oh, you know what? This is what's going to happen. Is there's a bunch of Democrats in South Carolina who are going to vote for Nikki Haley so that Donald Trump loses. And I'm like, really? You really think that a politically engaged Democrat in South Carolina wants to run against Nikki Haley and Joe Biden? She wants Nikki Haley to win the nominate. No, they don't. They want Donald Trump. Democrats want Donald Trump to win this primary. So if anything, the Democrats should be coming out for Trump. 
so you never know when you get down into all these 21 states in the next couple of days how the dynamics are going to play out. My guess is it's more of the same Trump by roughly 20 across the board. Okay, so when we come back, what's the end game for Nikki Haley? And by end game, I mean uh, she's talked about and sort of given indications, and she's losing some of the money. The Koch brothers' money's gone away. So what's next for her? Because there is one scenario that we've sort of been bringing up over the last week about what she could or couldn't do. And there seems to be disagreement about what is possible if she went this route. But there was an interview that was done early yesterday morning (laughs) that I have a piece of that I want you to hear, because I specifically want to get your response as to whether we should make much of this. And during the break, you're going to read my column in in The Hill last week on the No Labels Party. Bo and Beth with Mick Mulvaney this weekend on Fox and Friends Weekend. Will Kane talking to No Labels National Director Joe Cunningham. There's been conversation, there's been speculation about Nikki Haley as a potential No Labels candidate. There's also a lot of talk about Joe Manchin, Mitt Romney. Who will be your candidate on the No Labels ticket? <laughs> well, I mean, the truth is we're talking to a lot of spectacular people right now. And we're not ready to unveil those folks just yet. Uh, this has been a project uh, to essentially give Americans another choice if they're unhappy with the presumptive nominees, which, you know, it appears it's going to be Trump versus Biden right now. But we don't know. Nikki Haley, she's going to be remaining in the race. You can't count her out completely. Uh, and hats off to her for staying in it and for sticking with it. But we're looking for great quality people, folks that have broad appeal to independents, Democrats, Republicans. And, um, and yeah, I mean, Nikki Haley is somebody we'd, we'd definitely be interested in. And what's your timeline in selecting a candidate? So we won't be making a decision before Super Tuesday. We've said from the onset that after Super Tuesday, we're going to look at who the presumptive nominees are. And if the vast majority of Americans are unhappy with those, and we feel like we can put forward a ticket or offer our ballot line to, to candidates who can win, then we're going to offer that ballot line. Okay, so uh, during the break, I was reading uh, this article in The Hill uh, written by a guy named Mick Mulvaney uh, about uh, who no labels might potentially choose. Uh, There's a paragraph here. I'll. uh, Is it written in crayon? Because I heard um, he writes in crayon most of the time. Yeah. Crayon and cursive. I have to say that I do love the, uh, the headline. Americans want a viable third party candidate. Can no labels find one? Yeah, I don't, I don't write the headlines. Well, uh, so, <laughs> so here's the paragraph you wrote, though. It says, Nikki Haley's name has come up in conversation in various outlets, but the pro-life, neoconservative, former Tea Party governor and fiscal hawk is about as much of a compromised candidate as I would be. There's no shortage of failed or past their prime former politicians who see no labels, massive cash hoard, and start daydreaming about what might be. But those folks are already out of the game and for a reason. Reason. Therein lies the age old. You can't beat something with nothing. And right now, no labels has nothing. Well, and let's point out, too, that Joe Manchin is the other name that has been floating around. He's out of the no labels game, as is Larry Hogan, the former governor, also out of the game. Those are the names that people have been paying the most attention to and that have perked up their ears. So now here we've got this party that's been working to get names on the ballot, but we don't have a name to put beside no labels yet. That's correct. By the way, do you know who Joe Cunningham is? Uh, he was uh, their guest on Fox and Friends earlier. But do you, know, do you know who he is? <laughs> he's the he's the the uh, no labels. Yeah, co- uh, nobody director. knows who he is. Okay, Joe Cunningham was a member of Congress for one term from South Carolina. <laughs> he beat Mark Sanford in a strange race. No, he beat Mark Sanford's challenger, 
Christie Arrington or something. Like that. So he's in Congress for a year or two. Um, and I like him, don't get me wrong, but no one listens to Joe Cunningham. I mean, we don't, when you don't know who somebody is at the politics level, no one's going to pay any attention to it. I don't know why they interviewed but him. But they, they so, called him the national director. Yeah, but there's like 15 of those. Okay, ah, well, so, see, this yeah. is, this is this why is we're talking yeah, about I think, it. I think McCrory's one of those. I think Pat was well, just at a press conference two weeks ago for so, No Labels. So he, I often hear him to call the one of co-chair. the they co- co-chairs. Yeah. So that was my, my immediate thought yesterday, and I'm glad you brought it up as you did, because I thought, okay, Joe Cunningham, I've not heard of this guy, but... <laughs> But apparently he's the national director. So what does that mean in relation to what yeah. McCrory is or he's some nobody. of these other people? He's, he's nobody. Look, there's there's a, the no labels people are really smart. They are good. They are good operators. They are Clinton esque Democrat leaning. Okay, it's Nancy Jacobson and her husband Mark Penn. He's a great pollster, by the way. They're professionals and they've raised a professional amount of money. That number that gets thrown around regularly is about eighty million dollars. So they are real at this and they're doing it the proper way. They're going out to try and make sure that they get on the ballot in a requisite number of states. I think they're shooting for 26 or something like that. All the big states where they think that a purple candidate could win. So they're not going to Alabama. They're not going to California. They're going someplace else, right? Anyway, um, they might be going to California. But anyway, they're real operators. So if anybody were able to do this, it would be these folks. I think they're for real. But they haven't got anybody. And, and, and Joe, Joe Manchin was never going to do it. I thought Larry Hogan was probably the best they had. Because you have to get a Republican that some Democrats would vote for. And, and that's, my, that's my knock against Nikki Haley. And the, Nikki Haley, you know, is just she, she's a good governor, but she's not going to appeal to many pro-choice Democrats. She's not going to appeal to many um, Joe Biden voters. So if, if No Labels wants to be a spoiler just to make sure that Donald Trump doesn't win, that they might put Nikki Haley on a ballot, but they've sworn up and down from the very beginning they're not in this race to be a spoiler. They're actually trying to win. I just don't see it. Dwayne The Rock Johnson was a name. They couldn't get him. Oprah Winfrey was a name. They couldn't get her. I've heard Taylor Swift's name a couple times, but I think that's more of a, you know, that's a, that's, I, I thought she was working for the, for the, for the team Biden. But anyway, um, so they just, that, that person doesn't exist. There isn't that, that, that gray-haired sort of, uh, mutually uh, admired great American out there who could come back and serve as president for four years to turn things around. That person doesn't exist. So what is Nikki Haley doing then? Because the only other thing, other scenario that 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 keeps popping up is, is she doing this because she believes that there's the, uh, there's the not, I mean, I don't know, there's the possibility that Trump could get uh, tripped up legally and not be able to run, and then there she is standing, waiting to take the baton. All right, two theories. There's two theories on why she's doing what she's doing. That's one of them, and that gets a lot of the attention, that she's waiting around to see if something happens to Trump, right. which is fine on its face. It makes some sense. It explains a little bit of what she's doing, but that's not how it works. If, if Trump gets run over by a – first of all, if Trump gets enough delegates, Trump is going to be the nominee because Trump is never going to release his delegates to vote for somebody else. If he's sitting in a jail cell someplace, he's still going to be the nominee, period, end of story. So the only thing that might happen – and there's no mechanism, by the way, for the party to remove him against his will if, he, if he's got the delegates. Keep in mind, the delegates will also set the rules of the convention. They do all those types of things. So the only chance that sticking around sort of theory works with is – if Donald Trump gets hit by a meteorite, but he's dead, right? But even then, just because you're the last person standing doesn't mean you win. His delegates are still his delegates. They could choose to vote for her. They could choose to vote for Ron DeSantis. Anybody could get in the race. Keep in mind, and this didn't get very highly reported, Ron DeSantis was on the ballot in South Carolina. Chris Christie was on the ballot in South Carolina. Vivek Ramaswamy was on the ballot in South Carolina. And that will play out through all of Super Tuesday. 
all of these folks who have dropped out of the race have just suspended their yeah. campaign and they could get back in easily. So well, and they got take votes. That one, and they got some votes, yeah. yeah. And they got together, they got about 1%. The other theory I've heard, aside from just waiting around to see what happens, um, is that that the big money in New York offered her a, you know, a, a pretty good deal to stay in, which is you stay in, we'll back her, you give Trump a hard time, we're big Democrat donors, take our money, and we know your p- career is over because once you cross Donald Trump and the Republican Party, you're probably finished, and we'll take care of you afterwards. You'll be on the board at this company, you'll be making this much money, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a deal there that she stays in and exchanges her political future for some big, you know, big payday. That also explains the facts. I don't have any inside information on either side of those coins, but they, they all have a little bit that rings true and all that has a little that rings false. When we come back, I want to ask you about what happens. I'm going to go back to this no labels idea. And if they do find a candidate that is viable in some way, shape or form, what happens if we have an election in November and nobody gets to 270. Yes. And then how we move forward from there. Fascinating stuff. Final segment here, Monday morning, Bo and Beth and Mick Mulvaney. Where does the time go? I know, and we even had you for an extra segment today. Be careful, I'm going to ask you for three hours next week. I know, next Monday you're going to do the whole show with us. So right before the break, I was asking the question about a no-labels third-party candidate. If they do get a viable candidate on the ballot and that person ends up getting enough votes to prevent any one candidate from receiving the 270 electoral college votes needed to become the president of the United States. The next thing that happens, because I'm a history buff and I, I love this entire process, that vote then goes to the U.S. House of Representatives. But? But every member of the House does not get to vote. Each... Every member of the House does get to does vote. Does get to vote, but... but only one vote counts for each state. Right. Each state has one vote in the House in that particular circumstance. So California gets a vote. Montana gets a vote. North Carolina, South Carolina get one vote each. And then it's whoever the majority of the members within that state who they vote for. That's who the state goes for. So here's the big question in that. So November happens. If if this would if this were to happen, yes. Does the lame duck Congress session make that choice, no. or does the new Congress make the choice? It is the new Congress. And we've only tested this one other time, right? I in be- American I history, I think it was a lot. Yeah, eighteen hundred something like Jefferson that. Jefferson and Burr. That's yeah. the only one I can. Although come the Constitution up with. has changed back since then, because we've done a bunch of changes. Because it used to be this, the president and vice president ran separately. Now they run together. Right. So there have been some changes, but yes, it's been a long time. Actually, I think in eighteen twenty four. The election went to the House of Representatives. That was uh, John Quincy Adams, I think. That, I think that's right. Um, so it's, it's only happened a couple of times, and it's been a really, really long time since that's happened. And is, it, is there a possibility, even if no labels doesn't come up with a, a candidate? We just got an email from a, a listener that was saying we don't spend a lot of time talking about RFK Jr. Mm-hmm. And at, is he potentially a viable third-party candidate that could knock somebody away from the 270? Here's the problem that, that RFK Jr. has got. And I talked in the last segment about what professionals no labels are. And they are, 100%. This is a profession, by the way. There are people who are in the business of politics, okay? And these folks are really good at it. There's Robert. a director. Robert F. Kennedy is not. <laughs> that's exactly right. Robert F. Kennedy is not a professional at this, right? And he's on the ballot, I think, right now in one state only, and that's Utah, which is like the easiest one in the whole country to get on. I'm not sure he's going to be able to get his name on the ballot in enough states to 
worth talking about. There is some discussion about him running as the Libertarian, because the Libertarian Party has a line because of their traditional participation, right? So they get their line every single, every single four years. And if Kennedy becomes the Libertarian, he can get on the ballot in all the states that have Libertarians. But that means Libertarians have to take him, and he's not exactly the ideal Libertarian sort of, sort of candidate. He's got some Libertarian-leaning views, but some that are not consistent. So uh, he's probably not going to get on as an individual. He might get on as a third-party Libertarian, but... Either way, I'm just not sure he moves the needle very much. Do you think we see this happen? It, well, the two, no. The 270 not being reached? No, because I just, I mean, a tie could also, a tie could happen now. In fact, a tie, is, is, is we, there's been various scenarios in the last couple of elections where you're actually, okay, only a couple small things have to happen for there to be a tie at 269. You can do it now. And if there's a tie, then the same thing you've just described happens. Um, do I think that no labels wins a state um, and gets electoral votes? No. Um, I don't. By those two states that allocate their electoral votes, you don't have to win the whole state to get some. I think it's Nebraska and either Maine or New Hampshire. I can't remember. So you could, in theory, not win a state but get an electoral vote. So there's, there's that possibility. I just don't see it because they don't have a candidate. It, none of the above is not a you know, uh, none of these candidates is not is not an option. None of the above is not an option. If you could get that, you'd get a third of the vote and probably really throw things into into. Uh, into a tailspin. But you don't get that. You have to put a name, and they haven't got a name. Let me go back to Saturday night for a second here. Uh, this was uh, a moment during Trump's uh, victory speech. And you being from South Carolina and knowing the pulse of things there and having served with Trump, I'm curious as to yeah. uh, what you can tell us was, was going on in this moment. Another man, not a lot of people know him. He doesn't do too much television. He happens to be a little bit uh, further left than some of the people on the stage. But I always say, when I'm in trouble on the left, I call up Lindsey Graham and he straightens it out so fast. And I'll tell you, no, 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 remember, remember. I love him, he's a good man. Come up here, Lindsey. Come up here, Lindsey. Okay, are you ready? America, the nightmare you're facing is just about over. Help is on the way. This is the most qualified man to be president of the United States. And let it be said that South Carolina created the biggest political comeback in American history. <laughs> <laughs> An interesting moment, to say the yeah, least. I'm not sure it's a comeback. I, mean, <laughs> I wonder if Lindsay had had a couple of drinks before he got up on stage. But I'm just me wondering out loud. Um, look, uh, Lindsay has been through this before. Uh, the man is, is a, the best politician I've seen aside from Donald Trump. Maybe he's in the top five of all time. Um, he once told me that the difference between being in the House and the Senate is that you House members only know how to count to two. We know how to count to six. And I said, what does that mean? He says, it means I can do whatever the hell I want for four years as long as I behave the last two. Well, he's up in 2026, so he's got to start behaving now. And he knows those boos are not good for him. But Lindsey wins every single time uh, and probably will win in 2026. It'll just be... It'll be ugly, and he'll go hot and cold with Donald Trump. No one has said more heinous things about Donald Trump than Lindsey Graham. 
and no more. No one has said more obsequious things about Donald Trump than Lindsey Graham. So um, he knows he, he's he's he knows how the game is played. Well, and there's Donald Trump standing on the stage saying he's a great guy and I love him in front of that crowd of booers. So yep. does that take some of the booze away? Does it take away some of the sting? Eh, yeah, maybe. You know, you never know. You never, with, with Trump, you never know because he could turn on you in a second, right? Yeah. Um, but he and Lindsey have had this sort of love-hate relationship back to the very beginning. The president used to say, oh, Lindsey's my friend. Lindsey's my friend. Mr. President, he's not your friend. He's your current business associate. And at some point, you know, right now it's good for him to be associated with you and it's good for you to be associated with him. If that ever changes, then the relationship is changing. And they both know that. So it's not like it's a... It's not like they're trying to fool each other. 30 seconds. Uh, what about the junior senator from South Carolina? Where, where is he right about now? Still on the vice presidential list. My guess is he's probably in Michigan talking to African-American groups. Um, he's thrown himself behind the president 100 percent. And my guess is he wants to be vice president. And he was on the stage, too, of course, uh-huh. up there. And you mentioned Woody Johnson. It was an interesting conglomeration of people on Saturday night. Could I still say how great looking Woody Johnson's much younger wife is? Or is that, <laughs> does that get me in trouble with somebody? Uh, Look at the time. Let's get out of here. (laughs) Might be your wife. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Mick. We're back tomorrow on WBT.